Well, a very good day to you, everybody who is listening to us here on Oblong Desk. And we are reviewing, this time round, now 26. We've got that far. Uh, we've had a bit of a hiatus from now. So we, we dipped our toe into some hits uh, but we're back very firmly and squarely in Ashley Abrams' kingdom of joy. And uh, Noakes, hello there. You've got some facts for us about this lovely album. Yes, I have, John. Uh, it does feel like ages since we've done it now, doesn't it? And uh, here we are with the Christmassy one. It's Christmas again already. Hooray! And Hooray. Uh, <laughs> Yes. So... Facts then. Uh, the cover for this one is very Christmassy red with some stars in the background. It's probably one of the most Christmassy covers they ever did. It's it's rather rather good actually if you want to go and look at it. It was released on the fifteenth of November, nineteen ninety three. The tagline is forty top chart hits, split nineteen and twenty one across the two discs. Has five number ones on it. The Christmas ones tended to be quite generous, but when I tell you that ones from June and ones from July, and uh, a couple of the others were already covered on the hits albums then it doesn't quite sound as good when you put it like that in terms of generosity uh first appearance for eternal will be having a lot more from them and it feels like we've talked about them a lot lately but it's the last appearance for the shaman uh they did have some more hits but none of them were gathered up on nows oh that's interesting although as we uh, as we discussed with the shaman uh, on our previous uh chatting about coming on this was their this was their period of absolute domination. It's like bands go through those things. I think Pulp's another one where yeah. they had like Dross, then a golden moment of about an album and a half, and then Dross again. And it's it's weird how that sometimes happens with bands. There's lots of examples. If you can uh, think of another band that really, really only had one kind of shining 15 minutes of absolutely when they got it right, and the rest of their oeuvre is absolute toss, then uh, yeah. You can uh, drop us a line. At the Oblong Desk is our handle on both Twitter and Facebook. Or you can uh, send us a message to our website, which is oblongdesk.podbean.com. Right, shall we crack on with this festive wonderment and uh, track one, which is uh, an interesting one, I think. It's UB40 and brackets, I can't help, brackets off, falling in love with you. We're straight in with the brackets. Yeah, um, and it's traditional, I think, for uh, track one, disc one, to be a heritage act, so to speak. So uh, Queen were clearly not available at this point in their history, so UB40 get the nod instead. Fair enough, I suppose. It was their third number one. It was a huge hit. All those number ones were covers. You'll be unsurprised to hear. But let's be honest, this is not a patch on the Simon Green version of this song, is it really? Not at all. I absolutely hate this. I hated the Elvis one too. I actually, actually am not a big fan of the Simon Groom one, even although it does have merit, kind of, <laughs> in a way. Uh, so actually what I did was, in the interest of research, went searching on that internet for a version that I could find that I would actually like. And I searched through heavy metal versions and appalling acoustic ballads by the bucket load i couldn't find a single version of this that made me go yes uh, so i've come to the conclusion it's a terrible song and it can't be rescued from that kind of mawkish sentimentality around it and therefore ub40 putting their trademark bon tempi reggae all over it isn't the worst thing that can happen to this fair enough i mean i don't i don't dislike the song as much as you do i i like 
the stylistics version for example the the disco version that they did of it i think is quite amusing but i think it says a lot that i like the slightly comedy versions of this i don't like the straight takes on it the elvis one i can't be doing with either to be honest uh this was another one uh, we've had a few of these in 93 that was featured in the film sliver or sliver if you're a chart presenter from the stoke-on-trent area um but no i i i don't like it either um so shall we move on to track two now you were talking about bands who had a big period of success well of course neil tennant of the pet shop boys calls that an imperial phase and as far as he's concerned their imperial phase was roughly from actually to the start of introspective when the hits started becoming smaller um so in pet shop boys terms go west which is track two is um is way past their imperial phase however it was the biggest hit from very got to number two but i think it's the least interesting of all the singles from very it's it's not really my favorite although it's it's okay, I guess. I, it's been used too much in football stadiums, I think, is the problem. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to play a little bit of it, and then I'm going to say what I think. And the pace back east, just to Ready to too. We are gonna Oblong guest playing you, the Pet Shop Boys, and Go West, or in fact Pet Shop Boys, because they don't have a the. It's only mm. lazy DJs like my good self that do that. Uh, taking time off from being ironic here, it's just a very straight cover of a very camp song. See, see, we've done that with straight and guys. It's very clever. Um, I don't. I agree. I don't think it's their best work by a very, very long way. Um, and yeah, that whole kind of appropriation first of all by arsenal uh, is not a good thing and i i somehow can't see neil and chris in a football stadium cheering what, along to well, this chris, enjoying the fact that no no probably not to their own song but chris is a huge blackpool fc fan of course so i guess he does frequent football stadiums occasionally but no i can't see him singing along with it on the terraces well blackpool they're glad all over anyway aren't they that's their song yeah um which has a bit more going for it has to be said um yeah it's um it's it's a real funny one this because it, it's you could argue it's their last hit that everyone really recognizes um after this they had quite a few more hits I and mean, still are releasing singles and albums but that's probably the last one that connected with the public in a big way i would say you could maybe make a case for say a vida ray a bit further down the line but that's probably your limit um so mm. so as far as the general public who'd be buying this album for christmas is concerned it, yeah it was a big hit track two um and we can we do ashley abram inverse applause um for for not putting the band go west after the song go west because uh, as we'll find out that was an option do you know what i'd made some notes on that and saved well, them for go west but we've okay, gone in there early fine. never mind so I've but yes, I, your absolutely agree. There. I absolutely agree with you we we should definitely do that and i was trying to work out what to call the inverse of ashley abram applause and i came up with an abram arse up <laughs> yes i like that Yes, we'll have that. So this is one of those, uh, and there's another one coming up later as well on this album, which uh, 
I shall keep to myself just in case you steal that one. Uh, no, no, I haven't spotted the other one, I have to say. Um, do, do we get a sound effect for that, though? Because obviously applause we do ourselves, but have you got a sound effect somewhere of, you know, say someone, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, an imaginary person called Dave Thomas uh, uh, falling on the floor? Have you got a sound effect for that or something? I'll dig one out. Yes, please. We'll, dro- we'll drop it in in post-production and, and the listener yeah, will yeah. be amazed. So, so we'll just leave a small gap for that now. There we go. Brilliant. Well done. Uh, we've already... Pl- yes, thanks. Um, one interesting point to note, uh, we may or may not cover the uh, Millennium Edition Now series where they uh, did roundups of the year. Uh, on now 1993, I don't think we're ever going to do the Millennium Editions because, in general, they're not that interesting. Um, but that uh, version, the 1993 album, has a different edit of Go West. So if you're a Pet Shop Boys collector, it's got a very early version of the single, totally different. No idea how it ended up on there. No one seems to know why. Well, I think we can probably guess it's lazy people not doing their jobs properly again. Um, But uh, you might want to seek that one out. Um, Not much else of interest on Now 1993, but uh, there you go. We've already chatted about the risible Frankie Goes to Hollywood version of Relax Ah. that appeared in 1993, Ah. but you've got something on it. Well, the thing is, you're expecting this to be the remix, aren't you? No, I'm expecting this to be more laziness. Ah, yes, quite. Well, the booklet, which I assume was written by uh, Mr Abrams' fair hand, says this remix shot them back into the top five. Guess what, kids? It ain't the remix. Someone's gone and found the original version and put that on there. But as we've already discussed, that's better. So, good decision, whoever made it, even if it was a wrong decision, really. It's inaccurate in terms of a a record of what was happening in 1993, but it's better for our ears. Yes, it is. Uh, M People, One Night in Heaven, we have chatted about. So let's move on to track five, uh, which is, as you were saying, the first appearance for Eternal and stay uh, i'm not a fan of this sort of thing in general but i think this is actually a pretty good effort at this sort of thing uh, it's nicely sung it's nicely produced and it's not a bad little ditty yeah it's all right isn't it i think i was uh, playing it on one of my radio shows not so long ago and uh, i thought exactly the same thing i thought actually yeah i didn't really like this at the time but it's all right the later singles I think probably got progressively worse. I always preferred Louise solo, really. I think she had uh, a few decent songs on her own, whereas for Eternal, well, the one I like is the silly one, which happens quite a lot with uh, acts from the past. So I quite like Crazy by Eternal, but Millions don't, but mainly because it's comedy rather than because of any qualities the song might have. But yeah, Stay's all right. Um, it was probably about the 20th hit single to be called Stay at this point. Um, we've already done at least one with Shakespeare's sister. So um, yeah. no, not an original title, but, you know, as you say, for this kind of thing, for girl group stuff, it's all right. Very similar, in fact, to uh, track six SWV right here, which we have discussed. The same is true, as in we've discussed, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince with Boom Shake the Room, which is track seven, and track eight, The Shaman, the aforementioned coming on, which you can find information about on one of our previous desks, along with many other things that were on that album. I tell you what, it's high time we played something else. So track nine, it's Stack a Bow. Here we go.
It's Oblong Desk. We are reviewing now 26 from uh, Christmas 1993. It would have been in many people's stockings, I suspect. And we've got to track nine. That was Here We Go by Stacker Bow. Only number 13 for two weeks, that. His real name is Bo Johan Renk. And do you know what he did after he'd uh, finished being a pop star? I want to say that he went into something like veterinary surgery. No, sadly he didn't. Much more interesting than that. He uh, directed music videos first and then became a director of TV shows, including Breaking Bad, would you believe? Wow. You wouldn't have thought, would you, given that this is such a kind of 90s happy pop, um, you wouldn't have thought that he would have headed down that much darker route, would you? Um, And if I can send a message to contemporary recording artists, we could all use a bit more of this upbeat happiness that's present in this song for our general listening today, I think. It's it's just such a happy, positive enjoyable three four minutes of uh, of joy yes it, it is it's a it's a cracking pop song and um i think i hope it's immune if anything is these days from being covered by a drippy female singer and used on an advert because that's what m- happens to most upbeat pop songs doesn't it uh, they've even done it to things like true faith by new order and it's just hideous Um, and it's not necessary at all. So uh, hopefully it'll be immune from that. I'd like to think so. Can't see it featuring on a John Lewis Christmas ad anytime soon. But, you know, there is a correlation between tomorrow and today, so who can tell? Track 10 is Shakademus and Pliers' uh, She Don't Let Nobody. Now, I don't like double negatives. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't like them at any time, particularly as a... So does this mean that she does let anybody or she does let somebody? Because depending on which that is, she's a very different kind of lady, whoever she is. And they don't bother to mention that either. So, so there's lots of issues before we even get onto the song itself, which is dull as. Yeah, it's... Um, I, I don't know the answer to your uh, grammatical question. Um, and uh, I don't think they do either, nor do they care, because it was just a, a nice reggae-light song for them to do and have another big hit with, sadly. Um, it doesn't sit quite so well on an album released at the end of the year, does it? But uh, it's, I think, pretty much the only reggae song on here, although I suppose you could make a case for Stackabo being kind of reggae pop, but uh, it's much better than... Uh, pretty much anything Shakademus and Pliers did. No, don't like it. So uh, next. Oh dear, I've just seen what's next. Yes, uh, track 11 is Tina Turner and Disco Inferno. Um, she doesn't want to be starting a fire in any disco because I don't, don't even remember this, but her outfits were quite flammable <laughs> and she wasn't moving very quickly by this stage. Um, I, don't, I don't think it needs covering this, um, but, but those surgical support stockings and the faux leather miniskirts, they're not going to pay for themselves. So, you know, fair enough. Yeah, I suppose in a fire emergency situation, um, she could probably, if she needed to do something else with her hands, like phone the emergency services, hold a fire extinguisher in those bandy legs and waddle along to the fire. So I suppose, you know, she might be quite useful in that respect. But uh, um, I suppose I'd better talk about the song if I must. Um, it's uh, 
Number 12, this got to astonishingly, because it's dreadful. It's another one from the What's Love Got To Do With It film. Did you see that? I remember going to see that in uh, summer of 93. It was all right. No, uh, my my film going, I have to say, is very limited, particularly in terms of actually to a cinema. There's a, it takes a lot to drag me out of uh, the building and go and yeah. sit in the cinema. I'm not a particular fan. So... Something has to be really, really up there, uh, and the well, Tina Turner story is not it. No, I, I understand that. I mean, it was. Um, I saw a lot of films in 1993, and I think it was just because I was going out with someone who, you know, used to just go to the cinema a lot. That's the only reason, really, that I went to the cinema because I don't do that now. But uh, yeah, we saw. I mean, there were a, there were a lot of terrible films in 1993. Let me tell you, I saw some absolute dross. So the Tina Turner biopic was uh, by no means the worst of those. Um, the worst thing about this cover version, I think, is that it peaked four places higher than the original by the tramps which is just every kind of wrong yeah yeah if a cover's going to do better than the original it should be better or at least different or add something as we've said Mm. multiple times about cover versions and this is just exactly what you would expect it's tina turner going in and doing some karaoke and uh, yes karaoke doesn't deserve to be a big hit i know i've done karaoke often (laughs) enough to know that (laughs) i should never be a chart artist (laughs) Let's move on on that beautiful thought. Belinda Carlisle is track 12, Big Scary Animal. Are we talking about Tina? No, we've gone past Tina Turner. Yeah, Belinda Carlisle. Um, well, it has been said that she sometimes uh, sings a bit like a sheep, um, but I think she tones that down a bit on this one. I have to say that of her... Uh, songs i think this is one of the better ones i can i can cope with this um uh, second number 12 hit in a row on this album and an imposition 12 as well so uh not not quite worth a triple a there but uh, not bad going i would say yeah it was an unintentional one so you yes. can't have that no, no i don't mind it i don't mind this at all it's pleasant and it's up tempo and it's got guitars in it which usually makes me happy that combination of things but i've always wondered which big scary animal belinda was thinking about in her like metaphor for love uh, is it a bear very hairy and likely to get covered in honey maybe it's a shark silent and a bit bitey or perhaps it's a seagull found in groups of 50 round by the bins and making a hell of a racket. And none of these are versions of love that are filling me with any kind of joy at all. So maybe we should find out from Belinda which animal <laughs> she thought. <laughs> she may not tell you, I suspect. But um, one thing I can say is that um, technically it should be all one word on the uh, album sleeve, this, because when it was released it was all one word on the front of the single. So Big Scary Animal... Uh, a bit like with Too Funky by George Michael, but um, uh, clearly they couldn't be bothered with any of that nonsense and they've just separated the words. But uh, I, th- I think we'll let that one go. Yeah, you wonder with these things, who was right? Did Belinda yeah. intentionally want it to be Big Scary Animal or was that just somebody being lazy down at the uh, typist's office? I, or I think maybe the, the space bar had broken. Yes, possibly. I think it's the latter. I, d- I don't think there was any particular intent there. Okay, let's play something else then. What's track 13? It is our first song that is included in this album as part of a roundup of the year as a whole, as the Christmas albums always did. So this one was a hit back in June for the Spin Doctors. This is Two Princes. Just go ahead now and if you like 
It's Oblong Desk, and we are reviewing Now 26. This episode, we've just played you Two Princes from the Spin Doctors. More quality, up-tempo, happy pop, uh, and anything that contains a filler lyric like dibba dobba 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 shows truly admirable courage, and I applaud them for that, as well as enjoying what is uh, a really pleasant song with a story behind it. Yeah, it's good, this. I think most people seem to like it. It's one of those that um, is very popular now, I think, uh, probably equally so as it was then. Uh, top three hit, so very much the biggest hit they ever had and uh, you will know we played it to death at uh, URN back in the day and unfortunately I think it did get overplayed for a while but it's back in the category now of one you don't hear very often and therefore I think is uh, is a good listen yeah um, and unlike say Four Non Blondes which everybody liked to start off with and then hated and carried on hating. I think people who may have gone off this have probably come back round to it again. It's just got that sound to it, hasn't it? It's a, it's a nice, happy song. I think it vaguely reminds you of the time as well, because uh, it did stick around in the charts for quite a long time. Yeah, it's got enough quirk to it to make it playable again. In fact, I heard it on the radio only a couple of weeks ago. It randomly popped up on a station that doesn't normally play that sort of thing as a, as a what they call a spice track. Yes. And I thought, yes, that's nice. I'm glad you have done that. I wouldn't want to hear it again two seconds from now, which is always the danger with these things. Uh, but yeah, good, good stuff. Let's play another one. Let's play um, a huge band, uh, particularly as what we were talking about before the whole had their moment in the sun. It's REM, Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight. <laughs> on Now 26 is The Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight by R.E.M. You just heard a little bit of that. The booklet for this album says, and I quote, surely one of the singles of the year. So clearly Ashley Abram was a bit of a fan then, which may be how it got on this album, given that it made number 17 in February. So um, it, it took its time to appear on our album. It could technically have been on either of the previous two in 1993. But um, he took his time with this one and, uh, you know, not the biggest hit on the album I think it's the best single from Automatic for the People uh, I went out and bought it on CD single and it was full price, that's how much I liked it I paid four quid for it and I very rarely paid that much for any CD single, let me tell you usually I went for the 99p 199 ones um, so that's how much I liked it then and I still do Oh good, um, there's a chorus where he's coming in to wake her up. And one of those, it sounds like Stipey's running out of breath and they've left it in. I don't know if you, you, yes. you presume you're aware. Yes. Yeah, it, and, it does and it, sound It's like. like a missing. And it, you can either take that as beautifully authentic, you know, they're just recording what's there, man, or it's slapdash and they were in a hurry. And I suppose that will come down to how much you like REM. And clearly, like, you and Mr. Abram are in the like REM camp. I am very much of the opinion that automatic for the people which you know practically everybody owned including myself 
practically everyone liked that. Yeah. And I find everything else they've ever done, save for maybe a couple of things off of green, to be utterly abysmal and boring and tedious and badly sung and badly played and really amateur. So I'm going for the fact that they actually, this was the best take that they had of this. And there you go. I'm not a massive REM fan. <laughs> I do like many, many things off Automatic with the People. I think it's a stunning album. But it is in that kind of moment where everything came together and yeah. the sound was right, the time was right. Everything was right about Automatic for the People in a way that it just wasn't for most of the rest of their career. Well, I think you could put a case for Out of Time, couldn't you? Because Out of Time, the album before it, was very popular. I quite like Out of Time. I, I detest Shiny Happy People, but I like most of the other tracks on it. But I agree with you, Automatic for the People is probably uh, the best thing they ever did. The next album, Monster, I bought, and I think I've played it probably once. That's how much I hated it. So, yes, they, they did have that, that kind of brief period for two or three years in the early 90s where they were really on it um and i think i think you're right i think that the fact that they've got that kind of raw feel to the vocal on this one does add something to it i mean there's that bit unless this is the same bit you're talking about um just after he talks about dr zeus where he's kind of semi laughing isn't he as well um that isn't the bit you meant i assume that's that's a different no no i mean i do i do think this does have an interesting and raw quality. It's not my favourite one off of uh, Automatic for the People, but it's certainly, as I say, as an album, I think most of the singles and most of the tracks, in fact, stand up to uh, a decent listen, and there's a reason why literally everybody owned it. Are we getting a bit over-obsessed with brackets in song titles? I don't think so, and you're invited to join our grammatical musings. What are your favourite pop parentheses? Send your examples to us at the Oblong Desk on Facebook or Twitter. Coming up, we reveal the artists that appeared on Now26, but now where else? Noakes turns down free stuff. You know when we mention products and we jokingly say, oh, wouldn't it be a shame if we got loads of those for free? Please do not send us any links to Africa. I attempt to categorise Radiohead. They're okay and they had some good songs. But, you know, they're no different in that regard to Betty Boo. And we launch headlong into the delights of Disc 2. That's all after we give you a taster of some more cracking songs, including this, This Garden from The Levelers. I never thought I'd see the day and you became what you've become. It's easy now to just look away, leave your conscience on the run. Spent so much time not looking for an answer but someone else to blame. As long as you don't take the drop, to you it's all the same. Top Long Desk, we are reviewing now 26. You just heard a snippet of track 15 on disc one, which is The Levelers with this garden. So after a track that was released as far back as February, this one got on the album even before the single was released. And would you believe it, another number 12 hit. That's uh, three so far on this disc. And that's, I suppose, a bit less surprising when you consider that The Levelers somehow contrived to have four number 12 hits in their history so they 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 were quite <laughs> they were quite uh, common in that uh, chart position but uh, the song itself what what do we reckon 
Well, I'm I'm a massive, massive fan. I think there's an awful lot to like about this. You've got a strong social message in there. You've got a shed load of interesting instruments. I don't know if they just went to uh, Ken's... Didgeridoo Emporium. Didgeridoo slash bagpipe slash... There's some Indian stuff in there as well. Emporium and and just whacked them all together but they've done it really well it's got an engaging chorus i am a big fan of it i was at the time i remain so uh, it never gets played anywhere and the that is ridiculous because it's it's good and it's still relevant kids yes it is and uh, i think we'll be coming back to that message on uh, disc two at some point i i feel but yes it is a good song i, I don't like it as much as I used to I think I'm not quite sure why um there are other singles they did that I prefer but then there are also uh, a lot more that were probably less chart friendly if you like I mean you wouldn't expect Belarus for example to be on an hour album whereas this garden has got not necessarily commercial feel but it's a bit more poppy and uh, I suppose it, it sits a bit better with some of the artists and they've put it in the kind of mini indie section uh it's not really an indie section but it's kind of guitar-y section that kind of thing at the end of uh, disc one so yeah it's um it's pretty good i would say excellent let's move on to track 16 which is kind of as you're saying on a similar vein it's james and late by James that's track 16 on disc one of now 26 another pre-release um only number 25 this got to so one of the smallest hits on the album but I can see why it got on here because you would have expected it to be a much bigger hit than that and by the way you may be aware there are two versions of this one where he says uh, she only comes when she's on top and one where it's she only sings when she's on top and unsurprisingly now have gone with the slightly more kiddie friendly sings version on here in case you were wondering yeah I like this stripped down production they went for in this period um, it's a very simple song. It's got quality story behind it, uh, which is slightly ruined if you say she only sings because that makes no sense. I always imagine this being sung on a, a summer evening in a field somewhere. It's got that kind of campfirey vibe to it, I think. Yeah, um, which is probably why it's um, scheduled after the levellers on the album, I guess, because their songs often lend themselves to that atmosphere as well. Yeah, it's it's a cracking song. I think um, the uh, the album this came from, uh, which annoyingly I've forgotten the name of, but uh, I could probably find out if I was to open the booklet. But I'm being authentic here, listener. I'm not going to do that. Uh, it was, I think, at least in part produced by Brian Eno, from memory which is probably where that kind of slightly sparse production comes from and it did it did work wonders for them i think um apart from jam j which was utter rubbish all the other um songs released as singles were very good Mm. and they went for that kind of very minimal title as well a lot of the songs uh, around this period had one or two words to them so yeah um i really really i say really like it it's very short uh but uh sweet hmm Track 17 
is Crowded House and Distant Sun. More weather from Crowded House. They love a bit of weather, <laughs> don't they? I think it's a really, really good song. Um, I love when you get a feeling of geography of a place inspiring the production. This has a real sense of like openness and remoteness to it, uh, and it's a very pleasant melody. I mean, Crowded House did that all the time. You, you, you're not going to listen to a Crowded House song and be assaulted by its intensity it's always very laid back uh, but i think this is them at their best yeah it's um it's a good track this i think it, uh, it does stand up well uh one of five top 40 hits from together alone which may be their best album i think um none of those five hits made the top 10 it, it remains a complete disgrace that weather with you is the only top 10 hit they ever had because all the singles off uh, Together Alone, Bar, Nails in My Feet, which I never really cared for, I think are really good songs. And uh, it's just weird how, I guess, people were buying the album. They Maybe they just didn't have the kind of fans that went out and bought, you know, multiple formats of the single to get it into the top ten. Uh, it's unlikely that they would have those kind of fans. And I guess that's why this one did okay, charted in the teens somewhere, but that was its lot. <laughs> Now then, track 18 is a uh, an iconic track. It's Radiohead's Creep. I think it's like that one that if you asked general punters who are not Radiohead fans to name a Radiohead song, and indeed music programmers of radio stations to playlist a Radiohead song, this is the one they come up with. And therefore it's probably overplayed but for all that i reckon it's a fine piece of work uh, i think the verse teases you into that really angry chorus it's a lovely contrast between the two and when you hear it you're kind of going yeah come on get angry get angry um and then it does get angry and then it gets, i'm a big fan still in spite of its overplayedness um i'm i'm not i'm afraid um just to clarify in case you were wondering i think this is less surprising than the james decision there are no f words in the version on <laughs> is it ve- is she is she very special <laughs> she's very special yes um i i think this is massively overrated i i'm not a fan of radiohead in general i think they had two good songs both of which were on the album after that um the bent in other words but they did some terrible old rubbish a lot of which they want you to forget um they don't want you to remember that they ever did songs like anyone can play guitar which was a silly daft pop song or indeed pop is dead which was the same but worse um and as for things like my iron lung or as we used to call it on urm when we had to play it because uh, it was playlisted my bloody iron lung copyright mike robinson you are own breakfast they they just they, they just came out with too much dross for me and and the thing that annoys me about them is that the music press just wet themselves all the time every time they release something and you think are you really judging this on its merits or are you just saying it's great because you have to see also oasis um having said that it, uh, creep is all right um i don't hate the song particularly it's okay but it doesn't it doesn't conjure up any special memories for me i have to say okay fair enough fair enough we're allowed to like different things but i would definitely agree with you on the whole radiohead being um absolutely eulogized 
by the press. They, yeah. They're up there with new order in that regard, and I can't <laughs> be doing with that kind of thing. No, they're, they're okay, and they had some good songs, but, you know, they're no different in that regard to Betty Boo. Well, that's the first time they've ever been compared on uh, on the air. So there, there's a there's an oblong desk exclusive for you if ever I heard one. Absolutely. Now a giant to end <laughs> disc one um, in in every way possible. It's meatloaf, and uh, we've got some brackets to f- finish the disc with as well. I'd do anything for love brackets, but I won't do that brackets off. Everything is larger than needs to be on this, isn't it? The production's too much, the song's too long, the song title's too long. It's not so much a power ballad as a nuclear power station explosion ballad. You can imagine studio engineers like in there going, do you, do you think we could be a bit more subtle and getting no further than that before Loaf comes crashing through the door, <laughs> rams all the faders up to maximum? Even the quiet bits in this are loud. It's like just a full... Five and a half minute assault on your senses, and you're just left going, "All right, all right, meatloaf, you win." <laughs> yeah, um, it's nice of Ashley to bookend disc one with two number ones and bookend with brackets, because of course UB40's got the brackets at the start, and Meatloaf's got the brackets at the end, so that that's a bit of class. Uh, I mean, this was number one for weeks on end, and I just couldn't wait for it to be knocked off uh, the top of the chart, even if that was. I think by Mr. Bloppy, um, who's not on this album. Um, but uh, yeah, I still don't like it. Uh, there aren't many Meatloaf songs I do like. I mean, it was almost taking the Mickey really when they re-released "Bat Out of Hell" off the back of this, and they were both in the top ten at the same time. And you know, people like Goodyear, it would have been then on the chart, had to play both of them. And you think, well, "Bat Out of Hell" is clearly miles better than this. So we only need one meatloaf song at a time, and if you're going to have one, Bat Out of Hell should be it. But, of course, you know, the the big number one hit is going to be on this album. Um, at least it's on the end. You can just turn the disc off and put on the next one. Almost in the same way as Manilow that we were discussing um, on a previous desk, there's something just essential about meatloaf. And, and, and for me, it's like, even if you think it's kind of tacky and obvious and overblown there's something just a little bit joyful about him oh he's that means that 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 when he does this kind of stuff you cut him a bit more slack because you know he's doing it sort of in jest and it's a caricature and he lives that part so well that i'm prepared to cut him some slack with these um i i also like objects in the rearview mirror brackets (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just for the brackets it's ridiculous i know yeah, who, who releases a song title like that there, it's, it's there were all, there were always brackets there was one called running for the red light i think it was it running for the red light i think and then brackets i got a life i used to think that doesn't even make sense have they typed f instead of v on the keyboard is it i gotta live because that would make more sense I got a life. Who knows? Why, why you, would you, you put you that just, in brackets? I, anyway, I, I don't know. You, you've, just got to, you've just got to love it, haven't you? Uh, well, you say that, but or not? Oh, all right. I think the world would be a poorer place for the absence of meatloaf. Yeah, no, he's all right. And and as I said, bat out of hell, fine. Dead ringer for love, fine. Modern Girl is a fantastic song. Maybe not entirely coincidentally, Jim Steinman wasn't at the controls for that one. That's probably why it's quite good and and you know epic without being over the top. Um, so you know he's done he's done his things. He was brilliant in Fight Club. I have to say he was fantastic in that as well. So uh, yes, he's he's got his place. But uh, I would gladly not listen to that song again. 
No, you don't have to. Uh, instead, let's pop disc two in and whack through the first four tracks because we've already discussed Capella, You've Got to Let the Music, Hadaway, What is Love, Two Unlimited's Maximum Overdrive, and Culture Beat, Mr. Vane. All of those available for our thoughts on previous desk. So instead, let's have a chat about The Good Men, which is track five, Give It Up. Yeah, let's do that. Um, it was originally number 23 in August, and it's one of those rarities where it was re-released really quickly afterwards. I'm not even sure it was re-released. It may have just hung around the lower reaches of the chart and then popped back in again. Anyhow, second time around, it got to number five, so it's one of the big dance hits of late 93. And I think it's pretty decent. Um, clearly, uh, <laughs> Mick Hucknell did as well. We'll come to that in due course. That's a little bit further down the line. I'm sure you can't wait for that, John. But uh, but certainly, it's it's a good dance track. And uh, this section of the album, the first half of disc two, or I guess the first side of the record or the cassette, is all dance stuff. So I think this this goes pretty well with it. Yeah, and I mean, some of those tracks, in fact, most of the tracks that we've already discussed, we liked. Uh, to some degree one or yeah. other it was did anyway um i think this is a really interesting idea to work, see if you can make a successful dance track out of a marching band rhythm um <laughs> the great british public apparently thought you could uh you, you thought they could i tend to disagree but as it turns out i was wrong apparently this this i think the reason that this sort of did its charty crawl around bounce boing there was um it was big in ibiza yes so, so so I think people sort of heard it there, came back, wondered about it, and then found it. And there, there that explains its meteoric second rise. Uh, yeah, as you say, good enough dance track. It's not one of my personal favourites. I kind of don't get... I, I think it's a bit easy. And OK, it's interesting to take a marching band track as an idea, but I don't think it kind of works. I, I don't want my marching band in a disco. Fair Sorry. enough. Fair enough. Well, let's see if this next one goes down a bit better with you then, because we're going to play some of track six, aren't we? It's this one from Leftfield and Leiden. It's Open Up. <laughs> Oblong Desks reached track six on disc two of now 26, and it's Leftfield and Leiden open up the Leiden in question. John Leiden, that shouty bloke from the Sex Pistols. Uh, there's a lot of singing going on in here too, though, I think, uh, and, and it's too easy to dismiss him as just being that guy from that band. Leftfield are such brilliant producers, they barely put a foot wrong. Uh, it still sounds absolutely fresh and absolutely credible i think that's a remarkable feat it's 27 years old but you can stick it in a club now when they open up again uh, and the kids wouldn't bat an eyelid they'd just go yeah this is cool yeah brilliant yeah they've uh, probably true um i can see why this was liked at the time i was never a massive fan weirdly i mean i usually like this sort of stuff there's something about it never really clicked with me um and i kind of feel the same now it's i I don't dislike it it's perfectly fine it's just not quite 
top notch for me. It was a pre-release track, so it was a bit of a punt, this one. I mean, Leftfield had had no hits up to this point, although they'd produced a few. Um, John Lydon, obviously, had, had had hits before with Sex Pistols and P.I.L., um, but uh, yeah, a, a good Ashley Abram punt, I would say. Got to number 13, so fully justified in being on here. And also brings me to Now Where Else, where we. All good. Yeah, where we um, run through the artists that were only on this Now album from the main Now releases and didn't appear on any others. Um, and uh, there's quite a few here, but not as many as we have had. First of all, are you, are you accepting left? I assume you're going to accept left field. I mean, John Lydon had been on a now album with Public Image Limited, but left field themselves hadn't before and never would be again. And did Lydon ever appear as a solo named artist in that regard? Uh, as I, in, was he? I don't think uh, elsewhere. I don't think he did. Not on not on a hit. Well, in that yet. case, in that case, you're absolutely allowed. Okay, cool. So if I run them down for you in um, appearance order on this album, the uh, Now Where Else artists are SWV, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Stacker Bow, The Spin Doctors, The Good Men, Leftfield, Apache Indian and Captain Hollywood Project. Only one of those was a one-hit wonder, Stacker Bow. He's the only one. Now, we just we just mentioned Apache Indian in that list and he is next up, in fact. He's on track seven with with Boom Shakalak, so let's hear a bit of that. Not on this old, everybody everywhere. Flex old shackled, caddy vibes in the ear. Bubble and a wine, caddy gala draw near. Everybody sing out when the DJ say, Wine your body, wrinkle your belly. It's Oblong Desk playing your Apache Indian Boom Shakalak, and uh, as we've now discussed, the reverse of Ashley Abram applause is due. Abram's R sub. Oh, I go Do you on. know why? Uh, uh, because Boom Shake the Room, Boom Shakalak. Come oh, on. of course, yes, Come you're on. right. Yes. A gold. I mean, it's it's not even it's not even as difficult as the Go West Go West thing because. They're both dance songs. Yeah. They'd fit perfectly they together. Would. In fact, I, rec- I reckon if you stuck Boom Shakalak on into Boom Shake the Room, that's almost a perfect segue. Yeah. I'm and- almost determined to go and try it. Yeah, and actually, if you think about it, Coming On by The Shaman fits better on disc two, and Apache Indian probably fits better in between Jazzy Jeff and Stacker Bow. So that is a, you're right, that is a very strange decision. Yes. Oh, Ashley. Right. Sound effect is coming. Uh, right, um, on to the song then, uh, which I think is a pretty good effort. As you know, I was a bit of a fan of the whole Bangra vibe that he had going on. This is much more poppy, and again, does have that zag out of zig and zag thing going on in the lyric. But it's a good pop song. It's a fine pop song and a nice, happy vibe. Yeah, I think it's perfectly good. It's nice to hear once in a while. Sadly, um, if you are one of those people who watches telly and doesn't skip through all the adverts, i.e. you're watching live, I know it does happen these days occasionally, uh, then you will have encountered that song being used on an advert of all things for Lynx Africa. Um, you know when we mention products 
and we jokingly say, oh, wouldn't it be a shame if we got loads of those for free? And we never have, by the way. Please do not send us any links, Africa. Okay, hopefully that's... No, God. No. Um, So uh, they've decided that that's the perfect thing to uh, advertise their um, wares with. I'm not sure why, but it means that I'm hearing it all the time and therefore I've gone off it a bit. Um, It's the advert with um, that boxer on it. What's his name? The one who was in the Olympics. He's now a, a champion boxer. Yeah. Are you talking about Anthony Joshua? I am talking about Anthony Joshua. Yes, he's he's taken their shilling Excellent. as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Lynx are a very, very fine company for the, uh, for the teenage kids. youth who yeah. knows no better. True. True. Yeah. I wonder what it is about about youth. Everyone goes through it. I mean, I'm sure you did. I certainly did. Went through that phase where you think that Lynx is the aftershave and deodorant of choice. Yeah, I think I did. I, I always used to like Insignia, mate. In, Insignia was mine. I don't think you, I don't think they make that anymore, which tells you all you need to know. Yeah, but but you grow out of it, and I, I wonder if it has a special kind of formulation that appeals to the sweaty teenager. It's certainly strong, isn't it? It's Lynx? very strong. I think that's very might, potent. That might be yeah. the thing. Yeah. Yes, because because the, te- the average teenage sweat gland needs conquering in a very robust way. I think. Yes. There we go. That's that solved. What's next? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, we've got a couple of tracks that we've already played you and talked about, one or of the other. Urban Cookie Collective is track eight with Feels Like Heaven, and Captain Hollywood Project with More and More is track nine. Track ten is a new one on us, though, and that's Juliet Roberts with Free Love. I like free love, don't you, mate? Um, it's, it's so much better than paid for love. Um, yes, uh, what can I say about this? It's another pre-release, uh, a slightly less successful punt than some of the other pre-releases on this album. A number 25 hit, and uh, having listened to it, th- this is the one track on the album I genuinely could not remember at all. So that that <laughs> speaks for itself in some way. And I listened to it, and I thought this just has nothing interesting going for it i i don't know why this is on here when we talk about what maybe should have been later this is candidate number one for could have been bumped off oh the song not her just to be clear (laughs) yeah i have only one word to say on this as with all of juliet roberts's offerings just meh (laughs) yeah in the manner of Boom Shake the Room and Boom Shackalack, get in touch at the Oblong Desk on social media with your perfect track pairings. The cleverer, the better. You can also leave a message on the Oblong Desk website. Coming up in the final part of the desk, I dish out some important fashion and career advice at the same time. Now get your stupid hat off and sing something proper. Noakes recreates a tense moment in Ashley Abrams' track list meeting. He's just stuck it in the middle of disc two and gone there you go that's what you get for not going with me we select some tracks that should have been on here in look what you could have won pick our favorite tracks and yes it's been lurking ominously like a dog turd on a narrow footpath who will step in our neil warnock award this time well it won't be jamiroquai we're playing a snippet of too young to die right now on oblong desk
It's Oblong Desk. John and I are reviewing now 26. We're on disc two. You just heard some of track 11, which is Jamiroquai and Too Young to Die. And you can tell how early this is in their career because um, the booklet for the album uh, has a pronunciation guide on how to say their name, just in case you don't know. Um, And I remember their first uh, release, When You're Going to Learn, had exactly the same pronunciation guide on the back of the, uh, I think we had the 12-inch at URN, as I recall. Uh, Top 10 hit this, but back in March, so it's another kind of let's round up the ones we didn't get earlier in the year. And Jamiroquai gets a lot of stick. Um, JK, I suppose, gets most of the stick, really, rather than the band as such. And I think it's a bit unfair. I've always liked Jamiroquai's stuff. Some of them are a bit noodly and nasty, but this one is really good, I think. One of the one of the best that they did. I always thought that people loved Jamiroquai, uh, and by that, as you say, I mean JK, a bit more than they, brackets he, deserved. <laughs> I'm fairly and squarely in the camp of, yes, he was completely up himself, and fancied the pants off himself. Um, Denise Van Outen was not in love with him as much as he was in love with him. <laughs> um, I didn't like most of their stuff. I found their nerdly, nudely stuff absolutely pointless. And this, I think, is one of their best things, uh, but it's still, for me, a little bit annoying and a little bit kind of, you know, get your stupid hat off and sing something proper. Uh, he did do... Um, Oh, what was that one where he did in the silly box? Oh, um, Virtual Insanity, was it? Yeah, I did like that one. Yeah, I yeah. think it was that one. I liked that one, and there was a couple more. So there are there are odd moments where they poke through, but, but it is odd moments of poking through the wilderness of just being far too in love with themselves. So, and as I say, yeah. by themselves, I mean JK. So kind of the opposite of Radiohead, then. I, I'm gone way overboard on how much I like Jamiroquai potentially and uh, and you don't so yeah we've gone the opposite yes. way around on that one fair enough fair enough yes uh, what's track 12 oh it's Dina Carroll and don't be a stranger which I like this yeah, it's, it's alright isn't it it's it's not designed to be a Christmas song although it was released in time for Christmas and then confusingly she went and released The Perfect Year as well which was a New Year song which was just bizarre um, and both of those were in the top ten there, there was a week at least one week where Goodyear had to play two Meatloaf songs and two Dina Carroll songs in the top ten which is just ludicrous when you think about it yeah not like today where you'd end up with 20 Ed Sheeran songs in the <laughs> yeah. top ten <laughs> and and he'd be featured on some and featuring on others yeah um yes it's uh it's all right this it, it it's not going to blow your socks off but i think it's got a vaguely christmasy feel uh about it and you know on on an album that would have been as i said earlier in many people's stockings on christmas day i think that's fair enough i mean now tended to steer clear of christmas hits that were you know directly designed to be christmas songs i think this is probably as close as they were going to get um, in 93 in terms of big hits. So, yeah, fair enough. As previously documented, I do like Dina Carroll's voice, and um, most of the time that was put to use on really bland songs. But I think this has got a really kind of catchy, nice building chorus. And for a ballad, and I'm not the biggest fan of ballads, but for a ballad, I think this is pretty much as good as it's going to get. So uh, a big thumbs up from me. Here's a strange one. Halfway through disc two, let's throw Take That's Prey on. We've already <laughs> talked about it, but but why 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 are Take That there? They were getting to be 
pretty big at this point, and there was a certainly a lot I, of media fuss about them. So why are they halfway through? I think it's because they didn't get the exclusive on it. If you remember back when we were talking about hits, I think it was volume three that Prey was on, and that was the one that was released uh, more or less concurrently with Now 25, and I think Mr. Abram was had a slot free ready to go for Take That and Now 25. If you remember, there was a lot of weird stuff on that album. And I think Take That got bumped because Hits got the exclusive. And this is kind of a bit of sulking going on here, I think. He's just gone, Uh, one of the biggest bands of the year. They've had two number ones, because I guess he could have put Relight My Fire on here, but that means less royalties for Lulu, so well done there. Um, And uh, he's just stuck it in the middle of disc two and gone, there you go. That's what you get for not going with me, lads. Get that, Barlow. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. That's the only reason I can think of, anyway. Uh, Track 14 is Gabrielle's Going Nowhere. It's an open goal for a uh, top (laughs) 40 gag. It's very, very risky, Corley. (laughs) I mean, you've just had a big hit, but you just had a big number one hit, one of the biggest sellers of the year, and you then call your second single Going Nowhere. However, luckily for her, it was a top 10 hit. So she she, uh, she got away with that one, didn't she, really? It's nothing particularly to distinguish this from anything else uh, similar no. around at the time, though, I don't think. Let's play another track, then. Uh, it's Lena Fiagby's Gotta Get It Right. Track 15 on Now 26 is Lena Fiagbe and Gotta Get It Right, and you just heard a little bit of that. Another one I bought on CD single, actually. This one, though, cost me 99 pence, so uh, £3 cheaper than REM. Is it a a quarter of the quality? Um, No, I don't think so. I I think it it stands up quite well. It was her only hit, got to number 20, not not a massive success. Considerably more popular than the one that they dumped on Now 25, though, which wasn't a hit at all, which you will have heard us talk about. And um, it's all about the environment and K. So uh, we already had a bit of environmental awareness on disc one, and here we go in more or less the same position on, in fact, it's exactly the same position, track 15, uh, for the levelers and this. And um, I think it's a good song. It's a bit repetitive. It goes on maybe 30 seconds too long, but I still like it. Hmm. I was completely unaware of this at the time and subsequently had to go back and listen to it. I was like, underwhelmed, I think. Better than I thought it would be, but not setting the world on fire. But an interesting thing, and I think you know we're justified in stick playing it because if you say Lena Fiagbe to anybody, they are going to go who, what, don't remember. And surely the point of Now albums and the point of us going back and looking at these Now albums is to dig these kind of things out and go, no, actually, you should you should have a listen to this. It's worthwhile to, uh, to hear yeah. these kind of songs. Yeah, we say this every time, don't we? But, you know, it's a case of without Lena Fiagbe, where would we be? 
It rhymes as well. Um, because, yes. you know, the, these are the ones that are of interest, a bit like Efua on Now 25. You know, you're not going to get them on any other compilation. I, I don't think that appeared anywhere else. It may have appeared on some Soul compilation or something like that, but it, it's certainly not the easiest track to get uh, if you're looking for these um, after the event, although I could probably part with my CD single now. Uh, yours for 99p, cost price, should anybody want it. Right, track six. 16 is the opposite of what you just said about Luna Fiagbe. This is uh, Soul to Soul with Wish. I thought this was really good, and then I listened to it and realised that it, it really wasn't. Uh, you can kind of see why this only got to number 24. Yeah, Wish you hadn't bothered. The vocalist is someone completely different that they'd never used before. I don't think they used ever again. Uh, Melissa Bell, apparently. I thought she played somebody in Neighbours. Am I, who am I getting confused with? Uh, I don't know. Huh. Uh, okay. It does sound like the kind of name that would appear as a Neighbours character. Does, probably doesn't it? blonde. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. It's there was probably someone called somebody Bell and and, and a Melissa somewhere else. So, uh, yes, mm. it's it's more mm. interesting speculating on that than it is listening to the song. That's for sure. It is. Let's uh, let's skip over our next two. We've discussed them previously. Lisa Stansfield's So Natural and Björk and David Arnold's Play Dead. Uh, instead, track nineteen is Lenny Kravitz with Heaven Help, which I, I noted. Yes, indeed, Heaven Help us. Well, you say that, but again, this is a, a flip of the Soul to Soul one, actually. Better than I remembered. I, I thought this was going to be... Re- I remember it as being really dreary and nothing much of interest. It had a little bit more going for it than I remember. Uh, another kind of smallish hit got to number 20. There's a few of these uh, towards the end of the album that only got in the 20s, uh, and then take that and kind of headlining them all. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think it's all right. I, I don't think it's anything special, but um, I don't know. I, I, I quite enjoyed it, more than I thought. Okay. Uh, I, I think Lenny Kravitz is at his best when he's rocking out, and this isn't that, and so therefore I'm slightly underwhelmed by it, shall Fair we enough. say. Although, although underwhelmed doesn't even begin to cover track 20 oh, uh, which yeah. is our neil warnock award for now 26 it's been a long time coming but it's well worth it uh, for many many reasons go west's tracks of my tears and as we discussed at the beginning why go west are not next to the pet shop boys go west i do not know the only reason that i can think of is that this is obviously such a terrible piece of music that it doesn't belong on disc one in any way shape or form and no amount of top gaggery is worth this it's <laughs> it's a terrible cover it's a dull reworking of a dull song in the first place and it has no place on a now album at all so you don't like the original then either I'm sp- I thought no. no. Okay, no. no, I I do, and I think the original by uh, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles at least has some soul to it. This this has a big black hole where that uh, soul and interest uh, and emotion in the song should actually be. Um, it's just so insipid. I mean, we we've kind of almost like a referee totting up fouls and going pointing around the pitch and going that one that one that one and then bringing out a yellow card for cumulative 
fouls. This is like that. We've had a few of these now. We had uh, we had Faithful, which wasn't a cover, back on Now 23, but was boring. We had uh, What You Won't Do For Love on the first Hits 93 album, which was a cover and boring. And now we've got this, which is even worse. So it's almost like uh, we have got that virtual yellow card out, uh, Any More Sun, uh, and You're Off. Although... Thankfully, this was their last hit, so we don't have to worry about that, actually. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The totting up process, they deserve the Neil Warnock Award just for keeping on going. We've given them every chance to improve, but it's just, no. no. Go West have, by this stage, absolutely gone West, and they can take their Warnock with them. And and while we're at it, uh, Middlesbrough FC fans, you have our deepest sympathy. Track 21. Shall we finish up? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, And actually... This is a this is another weird one. Uh, I don't know what Janet Jackson had done to uh, Mr. Abraham, but that's the way love goes. Is how we end this. So if you hadn't killed yourself by listening to Go West, you probably just skipped it. And then you turn up with this fine polished piece of R and B from Janet, and 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 it's one of the Jacksons. So yeah. track forty seems a little bit of an insulting slot for this, particularly when you consider the flotsam and jetsam that disc two has thrown up in abundance. Well. Again, it was released back in May, so it does, like uh, with Take That, smack of, oh, we tried to get this for now 25, we couldn't, so therefore we'll just sling it on at the end. A bit different to the others in that Hits didn't snap this one up, so it it, it wasn't, you know, that they couldn't get the exclusive on it, it was just that for whatever reason, may I mean, it does happen, maybe the record company just didn't want to licence it. Um, there were artists... Famously in the 80s, Madonna was one of them, well, she would be, I guess, who didn't want any tracks licensed to any compilations because they thought it would stop people buying their albums, which, frankly, is just ridiculous. But that's Madonna for you. And she wasn't the only one. Um, Maybe Janet and or her record company were in that kind of mode. Um, As for its placement, I think it's not too badly placed. I mean, you've got a run of ballads at the end, so I guess it kind of makes sense to to put it there. Although it... Maybe you could have swapped this with Meatloaf and ended the album with a number one epic instead and swapped the two tracks from the end of the discs, maybe, if you were being uh, pernickety. But uh, it's it's all right. I mean, I do like Janet Jackson stuff. I prefer the Rhythm Nation stuff. The ballads don't do much for me, I have to say. This is Janet Jackson. She's pop royalty. And if you've actually managed to get a track licensed, surely if you're attempting to get maybe more of the stuff licensed in the future you give it a bit more of a prominent place yeah maybe well she'll be back janet will uh unlike many others as we've already discussed and uh that's that's it so that's all 40 tracks uh done and dusted we're not done and dusted though i'm sure you will have some that didn't make it that for me to consider yes and look what you could have won now because We've had the hits albums, as you know, we've been reviewing those too. Uh, there's a bit of a smaller pool to choose from for this one. Um, so I've gone back quite a way in the same way that Ashley Abram did to pick up stuff from the middle of the year onwards. So I've picked up from round about July-ish. Uh, I've got half a dozen for you this time only, which shows you that, you know, you did a pretty good job here of the stuff that would have been available. Okay, hit me with them. First of all... And uh, I know you like them. You may not like this song. It's not one of my favourites. Roxette, who had been now regulars since their first big hit, Almost Unreal, which got to number seven, may not have been allowed to be licensed because it was a soundtrack song. So I can see why it wasn't on here. 
Do you like it? I don't particularly. No, and they don't like it either. No, they don't. Um, I I bought Don't Bore Us, Get to the Chorus. Um, and on the sleeve notes for that, Pear makes an, a note that they really were doing that at gunpoint. <laughs> Contractual <almost. laughs> obligation. Yeah, I mean, and it was... It, it, I think they, they bashed one out <laughs> that they really, really didn't care about. Um, uh, so, yes, they, they don't like it, I don't like it, you don't like it. That was from a terrible right, movie, wasn't it? We were talking about terrible movies. Uh, think, Mario Brothers, yeah, wasn't it? I, yeah, yeah, it was. It yeah. was from the Mario Brothers, yeah. which I didn't see. That was one of the few utterly risible movies in '93 that I didn't actually go to. If you do want to own Roxette's Almost Unreal, it is on the aforementioned Millennium Collection now 1993 album. And to be fair, doesn't turn up very often on CD. So when I said there was nothing else worth buying on that album, if you're desperate to get Almost Unreal, that may be your uh, album of choice. Uh, next one to consider then, I know what you're going to say to this, uh, a number 13 hit. Uh, they were on the previous Now album, New Order, with World, The Price of Love. Nope. Okay. Um, also, on the <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you can't say the words "new" and "order" and expect me to go yes. I mean, okay. yeah, people may well want that. Just not <laughs> uh, also, on the previous album, Paul Weller, uh, Wild Wood got to number fourteen and would have gone quite nicely in the ballads section at the end of the album, maybe, but he got missed off. Outrageously so, because Wild Wood is one of those guitar amateurists' things that they think they can do because yeah. it's quite slow and the chords aren't that difficult. But you don't become Paul Weller without knowing how to make a really quite simple song, really quite complex to play. And um, yeah, there's a lot going on in there. So if you just bash out the chords of Wild Wood, it doesn't sound anything like when he does it. I think it's a really strong song, uh, and there was a lot that he was doing at this time that was really, really quite brilliant, and I would put that in that bracket. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I like it too, actually. Next one, by an artist I like, but I really, really don't like the song, a bit like Roxette. Uh, Kate Bush got to number 12 with Rubber Band Girl. Uh, Yeah, not one of my faves. Some people love it. Um, She was an EMI artist, so could have easily been on here. Ah, I, I remember Rubber Band Girl and being disappointed that it wasn't Rubber Band Man by Yellow. Or, or by the Detroit uh, Spinners. Are different songs, yeah. but, but both better than, yeah. than Rubber Band Girl, yes. Yeah, and I, so I had high hopes for it, because normally if you put Rubber Band in a song, it's going to have a sense of fun about it, which this just didn't. So no, no. Fair enough. Um, the next one I think you'll like more than I do, uh, Depeche Mode. Uh, we we had them on now 24. They were in Look What You Could Have Won for 25, and here they are again. Look What You Could Have Won for now 26. Condemnation got to number nine. So you would have thought could have been on here. I am going to say that I think this is... An utterly brilliant song. I love it to bits, but there's absolutely no way that it should go on a Now album. It's a really, really Depeche mode listen. I feel, if you thought I Feel You was a bit out there, then this is a very, very, very weird but brilliant it's very ballad, weird and dark. But, not, but, but then so's Creep yeah. by Radiohead. So. I think Condemnation's even weirder. Hmm. It's almost like suicidal. Yeah. And I don't know that you want that on a Christmas Now album. No. Well, <laughs> well, we all know what Dave Gahan got for Christmas, and it wasn't a selection box, at least not with chocolate in anyway. No. Let's not go there. As I say, 
<laughs> I think it's utterly brilliant, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't stick it on an album. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and I've gone with the pre-release. I don't usually go for pre-releases, but there are a lot of pre-releases on this album, particularly the dance tracks on disc two. And here's a core Virgin EMI artist whose single was only released, I think, a week or two after Now Twenty Six came out. So you would have thought it would have been available. I don't like it, but Phil Collins, both sides of the story, got to number seven. And I'm it. I think it's a it's a no brainer for the I can't believe it's not here category. Yes, I think you're right, and I think that's what we'll do with that one. We'll just park that there. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't have bothered with it personally, but um, it is surprising in the extreme that Phil Collins does not feature. Uh, however, my own personal choice. If it was just down to the song, it would be Depeche Mode. But actually, in terms of if I'm pretending to be Ashley Abraham for a moment, then uh, Paul Weller, please, Wildwood. Yeah, okay. Uh, I like Paul Weller too, but uh, I think it's going to annoy you, but I would have just gone for New Order above uh, above Paul Weller. But they're both good songs. Hmm, yes. And with that, we move on to the songs that are actually on here and which our favourites are. And as I said, um, I think this is a bit of a... A bit of a weak album. I think it's certainly the weakest of the ones we've reviewed so far. Yeah, in terms of actually it's having some real quality pop on. It, it gets a lot of love. Twenty six, and um, in the same way that twenty five is rather unfairly panned, I think this one people go overboard a bit too much. Maybe it's just that we don't like music from nineteen ninety three uh, as much as other people do. Um, at least not looking back on it. But uh, I. I don't think it's the best. I've been struggling to pick a best one on here. I think I've got one. Shall I go first? Yeah, go on. Um, there, there's three in consideration for me. James, if they'd put the proper version on with the not really rude word, uh, you know, it's no more weird than Blamange going I'm up the bloody tree and being asked to change it to cuckoo tree. It's just, you know, it, it should be the right version yes. on here. So, James, I'm going to discount, sadly. Lena Fiagbe I like, but I don't think it's quite got that killer quality to be a best track. So on the basis that, as I said, I bought it at the time, so clearly I loved it, and I still do. I'm going to give it to R.E.M., even though it's the oldest track on this album by some distance, I think. Fair enough. For me, given that we are discounting songs because there's one song that i picked as my favorite one um in boom shake the room oh yeah um, i'm not picking that again because it's not fair um and that means it's down to two songs that i am I'm umming and ahhing between the first is the levelers mm-hmm. uh, this garden which i say i think is really interesting and was really interesting at the time however however it has just been pipped purely on the basis that as I say, it still sounds so, so fresh and so credible today. And that means that uh, my track is Leftfield and Leiden's Open Up. Ah, okay. Good stuff. Opposite ends of the musical spectrum there then. So that is now 26, done and dusted. And uh, we'll be back soon with, I think, next up, we've got a roundup of the Now Dance albums that came out in 93, which won't take very long. Looking forward to it. Yes. Meanwhile, if anything's piqued your interest during the show that we've been chatting about, please feel free to get in touch with us. You can do that on social media at the Oblong Desk. You can also leave a comment on our website, which is oblongdesk.podbean.com. And don't forget to subscribe if you are listening to this on a 
uh, an app that allows you to do so, which I think is all of them. So uh, then you'll never miss an episode. Meanwhile, we should go and take some well-earned rest and see you soon. Oblong Desk was devised, written and produced by Noakes and John Tyndall with original music by John and sound effects courtesy of the BBC. Subscribe now and tell your friends to do the same. <laughs>